0: You know, we just finished up a series called Shape, where we kind of looked at how God designed us and kind of made us, how He kind of shaped us spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, excuse me, our personality, our experiences. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a new series on on really how how we can stand firm in our faith. You know, it's really a challenge to live in a post Christian kind of society. and, And how do you stand? firm and go sometimes having to go against the flow, and in a couple of weeks we'll be um, dealing and talking about that looking at the book of Daniel the book of Daniel gives us a lot of principles and a lot of lessons that we can learn on how to stand firm in a you know not so uh, a, a not a real friendly environment a lot of times and I think uh, god's going to use uh, the book of Daniel to really speak to our hearts today I just wanted to talk um, about something really important, you know. Um, A few months ago, I talked about a study where, like, they did a study about Olympic athletes, and they found that the bronze, remember the bronze medal winners, you know, the third-place guys, were a lot more happy than the second-place, the silver medalists. And they found out that the reason for that was that the silver medalists, their focus was on, you know, just how close they came to to uh, winning the, the, the gold medal. And for the bronze medalists, man, it's like, they, they were focused on like this how close they came for not even winning a medal at all. And so, you know, they, they were just so f- excited, and so the bronze medal winners were uh, a lot happier than the silver medalists. And then you kind of understand that, right? Because, you know, I, I just jokingly sorta, I like to say, you know, people say, well, I came in second place. And I said, well, that's just the first place losers, right? But anyway, uh, you know, so, but that's not the case, right? And uh, the study kind of revealed this fascinating uh, facet of human nature, that um, your focus strongly influences your reality. That, that your, your focus, how you, where you focus, it strongly influences your reality, you know? And, and how you feel isn't necessarily determined by, ob- by the objective circumstances, you know? that um, what we do is we all know um, that a lot of times it's just not what we see around us because if that was the case, the objective circumstances were what caused us to feel the things we did, then the silver medalists would be happier because they came in second, you know. But it was the third uh, place guys uh, that were happier. Um, How we feel is determined really by our subjective focus, right? So often how we feel is determined by our our subjective focus. In other words, our internal attitudes are more important than our external circumstances, you know? And you think about it, isn't that true? That we all know people who can feel something good to focus on even in the midst of really junky kind of situations. And we all know people who can always find something yeah, in a really great situation. And a universal principle, I think, is that we tend to see what we are looking for. You know, just one of those things that we tend to see what we are looking for. And um, simply speaking, they're like two different types of people, right? I mean, you know, just generally speaking, you know, we can categorize people in a lot of ways, but one of the ways in which we can categorize people is that there are people who are just really um, given to complain. They're, they're complainers. And then there's other people who are um, worshipers, you know And uh, you know, we, we look and we see that complainers can always find something. To complain about right and worshipers are those people whose focus is such that they always can find something to praise god about and that we tend to see what we're looking for you know that that you can like we went <clears throat> i remember we were in portland and it was just great you know for for me it was a great uh, time going to seminary in portland and um you know, they were, uh, we were a minority. You know, for the first time in my life, it was a minority. It wasn't bad at all. You know, and there was a friend of mine who came over uh, from Hawaii as well, and all he could see was we're a minority. And and how he focused was that you know we would walk in and we would sit down like say at like a Arctic Circle, like a McDonald's, right? And he said, "See, look, everybody, why are they looking at us when they come in? When when they come in?" And I said, "Bro." Oh, everybody, when you walk in a restaurant, you know, you kind of look at people, especially two good-looking guys like us. I mean, they're going to look, you know? And he goes, no, man, they're just being prejudiced. So I'm thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. And he was paranoid the whole time. And I realized that, you know, you, you tend to see what you, you really do tend to see um, what you're looking for, you know? If you're going to look like, oh, people are like, you're going to find that. You know, you notice like when you get a, a car, a new car of some kind, that you realize you never saw so many of those cars before in your life. Because, you know, you're focused on it. You say like, oh, I got a, a Camry, you know, whatever. And pretty soon look like, you know, there's like a bazillion Camrys around. And you never noticed that before. Because we tend to see what we are looking for. We develop theories about everything all the time. You know, this is the funny thing. About, about being human, right? We we develop theories about everything all the time, and then we kind of look for evidence to support our theories, and tend to ignore the evidence on the con- on the contrary, right? You know, like like today, right? It's like it's it's kind of funny. I've noticed that um, Seattle Seahawks fans when they're losing, they're not wearing their stuff, but when they're winning, <laughs> look at that beast mode over there. <laughs> Of course, they could say, Mark, then you'll never, ever wear 49er stuff. And that'd be, that'd be true, right? But, but you see, you know, that's kind of how it is, you know. Um, when you decide you don't like somebody, you kind of notice. You know, when you make that determination, I don't like that guy, then you'll find all the, the things that are wrong with that person, you know. And you'll probably ignore anything that you could potentially like about them because your, your focus is like, I don't like that guy, you know. And so the question then is how does that have to do with worship? You know, what does that have to do with worship? Because we're going to be talking about worship today, you know. A worshiper makes a predecision to look to really to look for something to praise God about even in the grimness of circumstances. You see, that's what a, a worshiper does. A worshiper will look no matter what's going on around them. They're going to look for something to praise God about. Um, And in Acts chapter 16, we're going to look at Paul and Silas. And Paul casts out this uh, demon out of this fortune teller, right? And her master is really, really upset because she loses her ability, her so-called ability to tell fortunes, and he loses his ability to make money off of her right because that was you know her she was she belonged to him and you know he'd get money because she could so-called tell fortunes and so he was so angry he had paul and silas arrested and then in verse six uh act 16 verse 22 it says a mob quickly formed against paul and silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods they were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison the jailer uh, was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon, you know, just the worst of the worst, and clamped their feet in the stocks. And we look and we think, you know, we've all had bad days, but probably maybe for most of us, nothing like that. You know, here they are, they're going out there, and, and, and they're, they're just telling people about the good news about Jesus and trying to do good. And out of that, they end up, here they are, backs are bleeding, you know, um, they're bruised all over, falsely accused, now they land in maximum security, and they're in stocks, you know, and the question is, why? And again, it's just because they chose to follow God and tell others about Jesus. And if they were complainers, right, if they were complainers, then, then they could say something like, you know, thanks a lot, God thanks a lot, you know, we trusted you, you know, we sought you to to follow you, you know, we did our best, and now look what you lead us to, you know, here we are, you know, you say that you're a good God, you love us, that, you know, you want us to do something, and then we get all beaten up, and we get smashed, and we get thrown in jail, you know, thanks a lot, and, you know, we would look at that, and we say, you know, that's a pretty common response, right, I mean, that's a natural response, And in that situation, we wouldn't blame Paul and Silas if they chose to be complainers. Maybe even just for a little bit. But that's why the next verse is just amazing. It's amazing to me. In verse 25, we read around midnight. All right, they've been there a little bit, and Paul and Silas, they're moaning and groaning and grumbling to the other uh, 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 prisoners. You know, don't you know? Don't listen to God. Look at God. You know, no. What do they do around midnight? they're beaten, they're cold, they're stripped, they're all this stuff, they're maximum security, and what are they doing? They're praying and singing hymns or songs to God and all the other prisoners were listening because I don't think you hear much singing and praising and praying in prison, uh, in the dungeons that they were in. And you think about that, it's like, oh, this is crazy. This is amazing. Wow. But what happens next is even more amazing than that. Then in verse 26, it says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. To which we would say, well, you know, that's coincidence, right? Earthquakes happen. But it goes on to say, all the doors immediately flew open. Okay, that could happen in an earthquake. And then the chains of every prisoner fell off. Okay, now that's a little different, right? earthquake, maybe. Shake things, the doors, maybe. But for the chains to fall off, okay, that's kind of different. And then look what happens next. Verse 27. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. Right, Remember, he was threatened, don't you let them escape. Right. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he said, that's the end of me. So he draws his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. They were beaten. They were messed up. They were thrown in prison. God made the way for them to escape. Chains fall off. What do you think? I'd be gone, right? They're still there. They're still there. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul in silence. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you're going to be safe, along with everyone in your household. And then they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all those who lived in his household. And even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds. See, they're still all bloody and beaten, messed up. And after midnight, right, now he's, they're being taken care of. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. That's the impact, immediately baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. And it could have been a really bad day for that household, right? Right? Because he was ready to end it all. And we look at that, and and most of us here will probably never be in a situation like Paul and Silas, God willing, you know. But we all have bad days, right? And we talked about how we can, you know, last week we talked about how we can learn from our experiences. But how do we overcome the challenges that we're facing right now before they become experiences? How do we handle what we're going through right now? And a huge a huge key to that and how do we handle the bad days that we have, what's going on in our lives, is our focus. You know, our focus is so important. That what are you going to look at? Will you fall into the trap of being a complainer and look for things to complain about? Or are you going to look, are you going to choose and make a decision to be a worshiper? And that, you know, you're going to look in the midst of this challenge. You know, is there anything, there got to be something here that I can praise God, for, And so often, your overcoming challenges and bad days really comes down to your focus. It comes down to your focus. And what this passage in Acts 16, this incredible passage in Acts 16, it gives us an encouragement, it gives us some lessons we can learn on how we can be that worshiper and not a complainer. And that we can tap into the power of worship because it's going to change our lives. And then maybe, just maybe when we gather here on Sunday mornings, you know, our times of singing and our singing our worship to God, you know, maybe it'll take on a whole new meaning for you. And that it'll become a real source of focus for you for the rest of the week, you know. And so if you got your bulletins and you can follow along, and the first thing that I, I think we can learn from this passage is that worship is zooming out and refocusing on the big picture. You know, worship is really kind of like zooming out. Because sometimes we're so caught up in that problem, that challenge, that crisis, whatever, that we got to zoom out and refocus on the big picture. You know, um, what I've realized is that so, so often that when I just get all messed up and I, and I, give, I, I, you know, I give in to complaining and all that, um, and I get messed up in that way, it's because I just stay focused on the problem that I'm in. You know, um, you know, this football season with McKinley High School, it was rough. I mean, yes, Bob Moricuni, you know, I mean, he, he and I were thinking, man, we just can hardly wait for the season to be over, right? And, and I realized that, you know, if I just looked at what was going on, man, it would be hard. But worship is really maybe re, just zooming out, you know, backing out a little bit and refocusing on the big picture. And, and so often, I realize that I get really messed up because I just stay focused in. You know, it's like this college student uh, writing this letter to um, her parents. She said, Dear Mom and Dad, I have so much to tell you. Because of the fire in my dorm set off by the student riots, I experienced temporary lung damage and had to go to the hospital. While I was there, I fell in love with an orderly and we moved in together. I dropped out of school when I found out that I was pregnant and he got fired because of his drinking problem. So we're moving to Alaska where we might get married after the birth of our baby, your loving daughter. And then she says, P.S., none of this really happened but I did flunk my chemistry class and I wanted to keep it in perspective. You You know, sometimes we just gotta zoom out and look at the big picture, right? You know, you fail a chemistry test and it feels like the end of the world. But it's really not, you know? Uh, May I never get a letter like that from Los Angeles? But anyway, um, you know, I was thinking about that. My my daughter's in Los Angeles. Anyway, Um, so how do we we zoom out? You know, how do we zoom out? Let me give you a one-word answer. How do we zoom out? We worship. We worship. Worship is taking our eyes off our external circumstances and focusing on God. You know, that, that we stop focusing on what is wrong with us or with our circumstances. And what we do is we focus and we start focusing on what is right with God. Paul and Silas could have just zoomed in and stayed there and complained about their situation. God, we cast out demons, and this is what we get. We're on a missionary journey for you, and we get beaten and thrown into jail. Instead of watching our backs, we get our backs bleeding from a beating. You know they could have complained, you know, but instead, what they did, they made a choice. They made a choice to worship God, in spite of the external painful circumstances. And here's what worship does: it helps you to regain. That not that true? When we worship and focus on God, it enables you to find something right to praise God about even when everything seemed to be going wrong. I'll give you an example. We are at a game. We were playing Kaiser. And the score was, you know, just 40-something to whatever, zero or whatever. And we, have a, we had a guy, and he, he was number one, and it was a small guy. And, and, and just by the way, you know, he was... Um, on the sidelines, and when you would talk to him a little bit, you know you, you knew that he was a special needs student, but here he was on the football team, and the game is out of hand, right, and the coaches bless their hearts, they put him in right so he 's in, and he you know he, he went in on a kickoff and he just ran and he didn 't do anything and he just ran a little funny, kind of like this, and then afterwards he was just so excited and he ran to the sideline he was so excited and then the the coach put him in on the offense, and he was like uh, no, on defense, and he was guarding the uh, the receiver, the person that catches passes. So he's out there, and he's number one. And Kaiser, there, you know, there's a guy, and he was about maybe eight inches taller than he was, and he was pretty good size, and he was number one as well. And for some reason, I'm watching them, and I'm praying, God, please don't let him get hurt, right? And and you know, I was so blessed. Because Kaiser's number one began, I guess he could tell that our number one, just, you know, he just wasn't a very good football player, games out of hand, And, and so when the, when the ball gets hiked, number one starts going out, and he let our number one just guard him, and he just, you know, just, just gently just pushing him and blocking him. And after the play, he taps the guy's helmet, and the other guy taps his helmet, and they're like friends out there. And that went on like for two or three plays. And I thought, you know what? That made my night. That, that in the midst of this game, in the midst of all the negatives that's going on, I don't, we, might not, we might not have gotten one first down. You know, I don't think we scored that game. You know? But, man, you saw that going on. I said, God, Thank you. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing the spiritual advisorship Because there's something more important. Number one, one on our team, he went home. And you know what? He went home and when he laid his head on his pillow, he said, Now nah, I got in the game. I was playing in that game. You know? And that, to me, that was worth it. And, and that's what worship does. That when we choose and make a decision to worship, You know, what it does is we begin to gain perspective. We we regain perspective. That worship is zooming out and refocusing on who God is and what he's done and not zooming in and staying focused on our situation. Question is, is it easy? Oh, it's not easy. Man, it's hard. You know, nothing is more difficult than praising God when everything seems to be going wrong you know right i mean it's not easy you got to make a decision but one of the purest forms of worship is praising god even when you don't feel like it one of the things that we can do and you can do that will make god smile you might come here and you had you might have had the worst week ever and you come here and think i'm just coming out of religious duty and you coming there and the music's on is i don't even feel like sing. i don't feel like doing nothing today the thing that will make God smile is if you say, you know, I don't feel like it, but God, I'm going to zoom out a little bit. And I'm just going to choose to be a worshiper. And you begin to worship. And the crazy thing is that when you begin to do that, you know, all of a sudden things change a little bit. You know, things change. Worship is zooming out and focusing on the big picture. The second thing is worship is taking responsibility, all right? Worship is Taking responsibility. A very interesting book, you know, Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Franco, he, he was this um, Holocaust survivor, and he wrote about his experience in a concentration camp. And he said, you know, in that camp, everything was taken away from them. You know, their clothes, um, their pictures, all their personal belongings. They even took away their names. You know, Franco was number 119104. You know, that's what he was known as. Everything was taken away from them except for one thing. Frankl says this, everything can be taken away from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. The thing they couldn't take away was his attitude. And it is important when we zoom out and we refocus on the big picture, a huge key is our response ability. We have the ability All of us have that ability to choose our response in any situation we're in. See, that's our choice. We can't determine, we cannot change, we cannot create the circumstances around us. But we all have the ability to respond to those circumstances. We have a response ability. You know, will you respond as a worshiper? Or will you respond as a complainer? Um, that's what I mean when I say worship is taking responsibility. That's an important choice that we make every day, right? That's what it is. What's going to be our attitude? When you go, like, this is Sunday, tomorrow's Monday, what's going to be your attitude going into the new week? Man, I got a great week. I wonder what God has in store for me. I wonder what adventures, I wonder what things God's going to show me this week, or, man, this is going to be a tad week. Right? Oh, I can't. Oh, tomorrow I gotta see you know who again, and oh, right? Or school? Oh, this week I got three midterms this week. Oh man, it's just a mess, you know. And we have that response ability. That the important choice we make is what's going to be our attitude. That if you have a critical or complaining attitude and spirit, that you'll complain until the day you die. Right? And and. And your life will get worse and worse because you'll just be accumulating more and more negative experiences. But if you choose you know, to take your responsibility and, and really to, to have a worshipful attitude, then you know the truth is this, life will get better and better. Maybe not your circumstances or situations, but but you'll begin to see God's hand in your life. And so often when we complain, we don't see all the great things that God has done. Yeah, but. Right? That's what we do when we complain. Yeah, but. I know, but. And, and, and when we have a worshipful attitude, man, how exciting it is to live in such a reality that you could hardly wait for what God's going to do next, right? Because God's going to do some amazing things, you know? Um, Paul and Silas were in this horrible, horrible situation. They were in prison. They were beaten. They were chained up. But something that they couldn't chain up was their response ability, that, that they got to choose what their attitude would be. And that's what Viktor Frankl discovered. That's what he discovered in the concentration camp. You know, that's what Paul and Silas discovered and modeled over 2,000 years ago. That their bodies could be chained up, but their spirits soared. That in the midst of their dire circumstances, situations, they took their responsibility, chose to be worshipers, and right there in prison, they chose to worship. And they began to see God's hand. And just how amazing is that? Yeah, they were beaten. Yeah, they were taken into prison. You know, Yeah, it was hard. But as a result, a whole bunch of prisoners saw God do something crazy. And the jailer and his whole household for all eternity will get to live in this wonderful place called heaven. That whole household was so touched that they were saved. And he said, what what must we do to be saved? And the eternity of a whole family changed because of what Paul and Silas did and they chose to take their responsibility and become worshipers. Now at the end, were they still beaten? Were they still bleeding? Yeah, they were. But I bet if you would ask them, was that worth it? It was worth it because our lives are so short in terms of all eternity. And because of that short situation, God even took that mess and made something great come out of that you see no matter what situation we're in we have that responsibility to choose to be worshipers and not complainers third thing when we take responsibility and we worship we experience god's supernatural power see that's really exciting to me i long you know i just and a lot of you i know man we want to see god's miracle people ask why don't we see god's miracles today We want to see God's power. And when we take responsibility and when we worship, that we'll begin to experience God's supernatural power in our lives and through our lives. Albert Einstein said, you can't solve a problem on the level it was created. That a problem that was created on a human level cannot be fully solved on the human level. That they are solved on the supernatural level. You know, that's what Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter six, verse twelve. He says, Hey, you guys gotta remember we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That person at work, he's not the enemy. You know that teacher, you know that coworker, you know that person, that neighbor. Gotta remember they're not the enemy. That's not the problem, is what he's saying. He's saying, but our enemies are against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers of this dark world against evil spirits in the heavenly places you see he's saying that's where the battle is it isn't with that person at work it's the spiritual realm behind that and so often a battle is not with another person it's not a conflict with someone else there's a spiritual influence that's stirring things up. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times you know people take a step to get baptized, and then the next week, man, they have a hard week. And they go, like, "What's going on?" See, people you know who never irked them before start like, you know, whatever, and they think, "I don't know what's happening." Well, that's what's happening. See, enemy stirring things up. You know, sometimes you have a great day, and then what happened? Boom something happened because there it's a spiritual level that a lot of this goes on and what worship does and has paul and silas take responsibility they chose to worship and they weren't focusing on what was being done to them you know they knew where the battle was and they chose to be worshipers and what happened was worship kind of changed the atmosphere you know the whole atmosphere of that prison changed that the whole atmosphere of that spirit, got, um, that, of that prison, got charged up. That something was was different, you know. As they were singing and praising, what does the Bible say? All the other prisoners were listening. Something was going on. I said, "Like, what is going on in cell three twenty-five? You know, what what are they doing? Right? That the spiritual atmosphere was beginning to change, and as the spiritual atmosphere changed." God came in and demonstrated his power. Earthquake, right? The prison doors fly open. Chains fall off um, because they chose to be worshipers. And because they didn't leave, the jailer who is about to kill himself gets saved for all eternity. And not just him, his whole household. And they're so touched that in the early hours of the morning, right, they say, man, we've got to get baptized here. You know, they didn't wait till when's the next baptism? November? Yeah, we can do that. No, they said right now. And he gets baptized. See, they experience God's supernatural power. And the thing is this. You can't script that kind of thing. You, know, you just can't plan miracles like that. You know, uh, But when you worship God, even in the worst of circumstances, you just never know what God's going to do. And you, know, you could tell stories. And I can tell stories of how when we chose to just focus it on God, God did some crazy things. You know, worship causes spiritual earthquakes. That's what worship does, that can set people free. Worship may not change your circumstances, but it's going to change your life. Worship is the way we stay focused in negative circumstances, right? No matter how bad things get, followers of Christ, as followers of Christ, we have an eternity in heaven to look forward to. You know, my pain is real, but so is heaven. You know, the good news is that this reality we're in is temporary. And last night, I did a uh, memorial service for one of my wife's cousins. She was 58, uh, 54 years old, died of cancer, and um, we went to visit her about a month ago and cause she said, you know, can you come because I want you to do service. And I said, okay, and we went there and, um, you know, she was sad, you know, no question, she was sad. But she said, you know, the truth is I have a peace. I'm going to miss my husband. I'm going to miss my son. I'm going to miss my family, you know. But, but I have a peace that I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. You know? And and it was this amazing peace that she had. And we talked a little bit and it was all about she knew how temporary life was. She said, you know, there's gonna be a reunion. That before we know we're all gonna be together again. And we talked about heaven a little bit. Heaven where there's no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no cancer, there's no death. You know? And we talked about that. And then last night at the service so we talked about. You know, there's a hope. You know, there's a hope. There's a, we're sad. You're sad. But there's a hope. And you know, the hope is going to come before we know it. Because our life is this short in terms of all of eternity. You know? And have that perspective. And that's what a worshiper who takes responsibility and worship God, they begin to see beyond their circumstances. And they look forward, even in the midst of this really bad situation, they know that God is there, He's active, and they look for His head, His fingerprints on their lives. And when you look back on all the tough times, and I look back on all the tough times in my life, and I look, and I think, man, you know, for every tough time, there was something that God was doing. Right? You know? That, that, there were times, you know, I talked about being at Pizza Hut last year, and It was I mean, last, last week, and I thought, man, working at Pizza Hut, I said, this is terrible. I don't want to stay here and You know, I um, I was working on a communications degree and, you know, what do you do with a communications degree, right? You know, I mean, you know, Howard Jashefsky was my classmate and he got to be on TV and be TV news. But, you know, everybody said I had a radio face, so what am I going to do, right? Can't can't do that, you know? You know, right? And so it was depressing. But, But even in the midst of that, you know, that God's hand was there. And he was leading me to him. Brought in some co-workers, right? And I look back, I wouldn't trade that for the world. You know, because of that. See, a fascinating statistic says that an average person talks to himself or herself about, you ain't gonna believe this, 50,000 times a day, right? My daughter works at Ala Moana and sometimes I wait for her, you know, to, to finish work, I see people, you know, some kind of unusual people walking around Alamona. I believe, yeah, that people talk to themselves 50,000 times a day. And I, when, I, when I read that, I thought about it, and I'm talking to myself, not verbally, like, how are you doing, Mark? Fine, not bad. You know, I'm, I'm not doing that. But you kind of talk to yourself like, oh, man, I'm tired today, right? You know, like, oh, man, what a tough You know, you just, you know, you, under your breath, in your mind, you make these comments, right? And and it's 50,000 times a day. Wow. Any guess what the percentage is negative? This was crazy to me. Research indicates out of that 50,000 times we talk to ourselves every day, 80% of our self-talk is negative. You get up in the morning, man, I look bad. Like, oh, look at those, oh, this is horrible, look, you know, I, you know, we just, everything's is, ne- oh, man, i really getting old, you know, it's like, you know, it's just terrible. Skin kind of, sh- anyway, but, um you know, we say negative things to ourselves, right? I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, people are not going to like me, you know? Um, even, like, menial, trivial kind of stuff, like, oh man, I don't think I can ever beat anybody in this arcade basketball game. You know, all these kind of things, you know, right? And you just constantly talk to yourself. So here's what happens. We let what's wrong with us keep us from what? From worshiping what is right about God. We kind of focus in on the wrong reality, right? That that a complainer will always see something to complain about but a worshiper will always see something to give thanks and praise God about. You know, man, God, this is like bad, but, you know, I'm alive. I get to do things that, man, it's just so exciting. You know, I had this great family. We would not trade my family for the world. I got all these great things. And I'm just in on like, wow, I got more white hair than I had. Like, you know, this, I mean, right? you know like oh look 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 you know you know whatever you know we think about those things and we forget and paul gives us some priceless advice about focus in philippians chapter four verse eight and now dear brothers and sisters one final thing you got to focus you got to fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable right and pure Lovely and admirable. Think about, focus your eyes, focus your minds on things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Because he's saying a worshiper always finds something to praise God about because they're looking for something to praise God about, you see. We tend to see what we're looking for. And if we're going to be complainers, we're just going to look and we're going to see everything that's wrong around us you know but we have that responsibility right? that we can choose to be a complainer or we can choose to be a worshiper and 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 tend and, and and begin to look for what is right and good and what God is doing in the midst of where we are and what we're well, you know what's going on in our lives you see that's the choice that we have it all comes down to focus and the thought is this. Do you see that circumstance that you complain about? Do you see them as chains that imprison you? you see, it's like, man, I'm just, this is just weighing me down. You know? Because it, it, it doesn't bring about any good. All they do, all those negative thoughts, we, all they do is they imprison us. And the way out is worship. And, you know, people ask, them, why, why do you spend... So, so much time singing on Sunday mornings that's one of the reasons we've had a whole week of stuff and sometimes it's just great to come zoom out and just refocus you see that's the opportunity we have because the way out is worship it was worship that set Paul and Barnabas free physically and it is worship that's going to set you free physically, emotionally, spiritually. Worship will set off a chain reaction. That the prison door is just going to fly open. The chains will break free. And he asks yourself, are there circumstances and situations that you're allowing to imprison you? You know, have, have your complaints about someone or something become chains? Well, what God is saying to us today is, you know, maybe stop focusing on what is wrong about you or your circumstances and start focusing on what is right about God. So here's an assignment. You know, maybe part of your journal, if you don't journal or in your phone, just notes, or whatever, you know, maybe this week, do an experiment, all right? Keep a gratitude journal. Find something every day to be grateful about. Yeah, it's one of those spiritual disciplines. That you're gonna see and you're gonna focus and you're gonna look for things that you can thank God about. Because we tend to be what, you know, we tend to see what we want to see. And begin to do that. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits. You got to worship and don't forget all his benefits. You know, in the words of this old hymn, it says, you know, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. And maybe that's what we do this week. You just take time. And you just say, you know what? Instead of complaining, I'm going to look for one thing, maybe today. What is something I can praise God about? And you write it down. Or, you know what you do is you write it down and and you you just look forward. You go home and says, hey, guess what? This is something I can praise God about. And you just come home and your dinner table, you just share all the blessings that God gave. I think if we would do that, wouldn't that change the spiritual atmosphere of of our dinner table? Wouldn't that change the way we live? If we went into our day looking for, for evidence, looking for things that God is doing in our lives, that's what it means to be a worshiper. That's the responsibility we have to every situation that we're in. It all comes down to focus. You know, where's your focus? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to give us eyes this week that we're just going to focus on what is right we're going to focus on what god is doing on who god is we're going to ask god to give us eyes to to look for ways in which we see his hand in our lives you know we're going to come back and at least is just going to be so excited because school this week was like the greatest ever all her students did all their homework You know, in the middle of a lesson, they didn't ask to go to the bathroom or for water or to sharpen their pencil or whatever. They were just really great. You know, they all brought apples. They just said, we love you. You know, and and she's going to, I'm the greatest teacher ever next week, right? So that's what could happen this week, right? And Matt, you're a teacher. That can happen to you too. See? It's going to happen to him. All right. They're going to play, right? You know? They're going to sit with good posture in the band room. Right? No spit is going to come out of the trumpets. Whoo! Right? All right. Are you still in marching? They're going to do eight to the five with, with just eyes closed backwards. And you won't even have to do anything. Right? Now that would be a miracle. Right? Come back next week and tell us. But, but let's look for ways. Let's have eyes to see what God can do and will do this week. All right, let's pray. Father, how important our focus is. Because we tend to see what we want to see, God. And I pray for all of us here that there would be a, a desire, a growing desire that, hey, you know what, God, we're going to give you a shot. We're going to look this week for ways in which you're active in our lives. That we're going to choose and we're going to take our responsibility to be worshipers and not complainers. And I pray, God, that you would help us all that when something great happens, you are doing something, that you would make it real clear that we would write it somewhere, we would share it with, something, with someone, there's something great that you're doing. And so we thank you, Father. And I pray, Lord, that, that worship would begin to take a whole new meaning for us. And even when we come here in the morning on Sundays to sing, it would take on a whole new meaning. That it's a time in which we can zoom out and refocus on the bigger picture. We thank you, God, that you are active in our lives. That, that you want us to experience what Paul and Silas did. And so we thank you, Lord. And we especially pray for Elise and Matt today, God, that they, this week they would experience as teachers... It's just unspeakable joy, God. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless, and have a week of gratitude this week. God bless.